Opposing Big 12 coaches have sounded off on BYU and their chances this season as they enter the Big 12 Conference. What do they have to say? We're talking about that. And also, could BYU play a bowl game in Mexico? Sure may be a possibility, it appears. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they're going to throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. We'll tell you a little bit more about Bird Dogs as we progress here on today's show, but a big thank you once again for joining us on your original daily podcast focused on th- all things BYU, and thank you to all of you who are Locked On Podcast Network everydayers with us here on Locked On Cougars. Diving right in, let's talk a little BYU football. Uh, I saw this on 24-7 Sports yesterday, and I'm afraid I might be a little late to the party on this, but I wanted to talk about it all the same. Athlon Sports put out their college football preview magazine not too long ago, and I'm not going to lie, I've been slacking a little bit. I've actually just placed my order for all of my uh, preview magazines. This is one of the ones I usually have already in hand, but like I said, I've been slacking a little bit. I also have Phil Steele on the way, uh, Pick 6 previews, all that type of stuff, but they had an interesting quote, and they put this on 24-7 Sports, and I wanted to talk about it because here are what opposing Big 12 coaches told Athlon Sports about BYU. Quote, they have the most questions of any new team in the league by far. In the short term, they've got to replace a ton of their best playmakers, and they're really streaky last year and don't look like they're league ready at all. The obvious concern is how well they recruit because they didn't have enough depth to hold up to, uh, excuse me, on an independent schedule. Excuse me. Now they're going to be playing more physical teams every week, so you can really see the bottom fall out at least at first. Now. That is a very interesting comment for an opposing coach or coaches about BYU. And while I can understand their perception of that, because yes, I do think that BYU at times have struggled with their overall depth in independence. The one thing that I would disagree with, quibble with on that, is they are not necessarily taking into account how much work BYU has done in the transfer portal this offseason. We talked yesterday on the podcast, for all of you who are everydayers, once again, make sure you join us every single day. We talked about the fact that BYU's transfer portal class is ranked number 20 in the country and still has a chance to rise should they add a couple more pieces to that class here in the next few months. But all that aside, I think that BYU is actually in a better spot uh, depth-wise going into the Big 12 than they were at any point in independence. I I know that sounds almost insane to say, and it still very much could be that they are, yeah, the bottom could still fall out on this BYU football program as they play in the Big 12 Conference. But I think they have made a concerted effort, speaking of BYU staff, to go out and recruit and develop talent to give BYU as much quality depth as they possibly can muster. Is it going to take a while for them to really build up the depth that's going to be able to keep them uh, a program that's going to be a factor all season long and uh, go on to hopefully challenge for Big 12 championships? Yes, it will take some time for that. But I've got the faith that Kalani Sitake knows what he's doing and he's going to use BYU's newfound 
I guess, what do you, uh, exposure, whatever you want to call it, as a Power 5 program to go out and absolutely chase any and all options. We're already seeing that on the recruiting trail. BYU is blazing new trails, quote-unquote, when it comes to recruiting all over the country at this point. They're also in on multiple guys that, in my personal opinion, had this been an independent era football program, they probably are like, you know what, we're probably not going to get that guy. Let's not even waste our breath on recruiting him. I know that's a bad mentality to have, but I'm telling you, BYU's recruiting guys right now, they've at least offered guys that I think the BYU is saying, you know what, we're as good as anybody else out there. We have that Power 5 label next to us. Let's go swing for the fences. I use that baseball analogy. And I think that BYU is doing the best they can to build up that depth. Now, the other parts of this, they've got the most questions of any new team entering the league by far. In the short term, they've got to replace a lot of their playmakers. I agree with that because you lose Jaron Hall. You lose Pukunakua. Christopher Brooks was pretty good. Tyler Algier the year before that left the BYU football program. You've had a lot of your offensive linemen who have been standouts over the past few seasons leave as well. Like You've had a lot of talent, or quote-unquote talent drain coming out of BYU you in the last couple of seasons. The nice part is I do think BYU has an underrated uh, tool uh, bag in terms of overall I'm trying to use an analogy I'm not necessarily prepared to use, but they have a they have a nice uh, set of tools I think they're going to be able to throw out there. I think that Isaac Rex is set to have a resurgent season for BYU this year. Last season he played, what, 70 75% in my opinion. I think he could have a breakout year once again at tight end. Guys like Jackson Bowers and Ethan Erickson alongside him can make BYU's tight end unit elite once again. I think at wide receiver, you got a nice trio of Cody Epps, uh, Keanu Hill, and obviously Chase Roberts with guys like Darius Lassiter and Keelan Marion who are very intent on making sure that their uh, Im- impact is felt in this BYU football program. At running back, everybody crows about Aiden Robbins' potential. He's a huge, huge dude. He's legit. 6'3", 230. He makes Christopher Brooks, who is already a big dude at running back, look small by comparison. He is a big, big dude. And I think that he'll be the lead guy at running back. But also bringing guys like Deion Smith. You already have guys on the roster at running back as well. That I think BYU should be in a fairly good spot on that side of things. Now, obviously, quarterback play is going to be the key differentiator here for BYU. If Keaton Slovis is as good as BYU's coaches purport him to truly be, they think they can get him back to the level he was playing at when he was at USC. If he can truly accomplish that, That'd be very impressive. I think BYU would be a far better team and a far more, uh, I guess, uh, what are we trying to say? They'd be a far better uh, perception-wise in terms of these coaches' eyeballs if he is as good as BYU thinks he can be in his lone season as a Cougar. So we'll see what happens. But I don't necessarily disagree with their with these with these anonymous coaches' assessments of BYU, but I do think that they're not taking into account some of the moves BYU made in the offseason, especially via the transfer portal, to try and address all their issues. Now, I think the defense is still very much going to be a question. I'm actually surprised that was not one of the quotes in this. But, hey, the defense is going to be a work in progress. We all, all knew that. Any of you who watched BYU over the past couple of seasons – know that BYU's defense is going to need work, and Jay Hill was brought in for that very reason, and I would assume that he, they'll have their moments, I think, on defense this fall, but at the same time, there's also going to be moments where it's just, ooh, that's, that wasn't so good, that, and that, that that could be absolutely something that's an up-and-down thing week-to-week for BYU, but I, 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 like I said, I see where these coaches are coming from, but I disagree that BYU has got the most questions of any team coming into this conference. I'd actually give that nod to a, a Cincinnati with a brand-new head coach who lost, by the way, a lot of the guys who contributed to that team that made the college football playoff over the past two years. Cincinnati's got huge question marks. Houston, they're they're, they're in all kinds of disarray, it feels like. It feels like UCF, in my opinion, is the best. If you were to ask me, if you're kind of like, okay, which one's the best, Jake? I'd say UCF is, but 
We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see how BYU goes and how the Athlon Sports Preview in 2024 uh, refers to BYU based on their first season at the Power 5 level. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to flip over, I answer some more of the questions you guys sent in via our mailbag earlier this week. Some great questions. Also, uh, Big 12 apparently mulling us uh, sending a bowl game south of the border. We'll talk about that, and we'll also talk about BYU making a trip to Stark Vegas and coming on the losing end in 2017. All that still to come right here on Locked on Cougars. Now, a word on our friends over at Bird Dogs. I've talked about this. A number of you have made comments on YouTube, etc., saying you want to see me sport my Bird Dogs. I told my wife we need to find a, a way to, to uh, put this on the show. I, I don't necessarily have a way to really film it, so we'll see what we can do. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll upload a video from my iPhone and show you guys wearing my Bird Dogs at some point. But nonetheless, the best part is Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Any of you uh, want to have that sculpted look, Bird Dogs is for you. The best part is they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better, and they fit uh, way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. I can speak directly to that because they sent me a couple of pairs, and they are as stretchy as any shorts that I truly have ever worn. The best part is they have, have invented a cloud-knit fabric that just looks just like khaki, but stretches to get you that waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice all that movement. They also use anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric to keep you cool and dry all day long. The best part is they uh, promise that you will love their shorts, and I, I'm not going to lie. I've really, really enjoyed the shorts I've had a chance to wear as well. So get over to birddogs.com and uh, go to birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege to check them out. Once you're there, use the promo code lockedoncollege for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. You heard that right, a free tumbler. Uh, we got Bird Dogs etched onto the side of it. The best part is it's birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege for that free Yeti-style tumbler. Use the promo code lockedoncollege, and I guarantee you won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. First listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the podcast. Coming up on tomorrow's podcast, we're going to have some comments from our new uh, recruiting insider Brian Smith, who is working with us on the Locked On Podcast Network. Maya Luiaki Smith is making an official visit. <clears throat> to BYU this weekend. I uh, had Brian evaluate his film. We'll have that for you guys on tomorrow's podcast, so stay tuned for that. We'll also get you ready for the weekend ahead in BYU sports. All right, on to other news real quick. Let's get to the mailbag a segment of today's show. Uh, answering kind of the back half of questions I did not get to on yesterday's podcast, and uh, we'll slow them through as many of these as we can today. If I don't get through all of them uh, today, we'll even maybe push them to tomorrow and uh, make it a full week affair, it feels like. But nonetheless, uh, first question coming in here. Nick Chadwick, what sales pitch would you roll out for Reiner Swan? He's a uh, four- or three-star tight end out of Southern California. Most of you know that. He said BYU was in the lead, but after his visit to Texas, he says they are in the lead. He's an active LDS kid who is garnering national attention. What are the and are the recruits that we need to ease the transition to the Big 12? Does A-Rod, Kalani, or Coach Clark make the final pitch? Uh, the final pitch will come from Kalani Satake. When he makes a home visit to Reiner Swanson at some point during the upcoming season or on into uh, bowl season territory ahead of the early signing window, Kalani Satake will go in there just absolutely intent on making sure that Reiner Swanson uh, at least considers BYU. Now, I, I did read that, yes, he said that Texas uh, had kind of taken the lead. He said that BYU is probably his favorite going into his official visits. He's coming to BYU next week, and BYU will have a great opportunity on that official visit to make an impression on him. As you mentioned, he is an active young man in the LDS faith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and he does have plans to want a mission immediately after high school. This is a guy that BYU absolutely needs to be in on and 
and trying to attract. I know he plays tight end, a, a, a premium position, it feels like, for BYU. Some people out there, you may think, well, BYU's got plenty of tight ends. You need as much talent as you possibly can. Reiner Swanson would be a fantastic, fantastic pickup for BYU, and they absolutely should do everything within their power to bring him into the fold. Will it ultimately pan out that way? Only time will tell because it's true. Nick is right. He's getting all kinds of attention from all over the country, but BYU will have as good of a fighting chance with a guy like Reiner Swanson as anybody because simply due to the fact that he said that BYU was essentially in the lead going into his uh, official visits. Texas may have shown him the glitz and glam of Austin. Well, BYU gets to show off Provo here pretty quick, and we'll see how things change after that. Next up, Dallin asks, uh, with Aaron Roderick's success putting back-to-back quarterbacks in the NFL, how long do you think he will stay at BYU? It feels like if he can get Slovis drafted, then he will have a lot of big offers coming his way. And uh, off the top of this thing, Dallin, I do agree that Aaron Roderick has got a rising star, a great profile that is building in the state of Utah. The one thing about this is I think Aaron is going to be harder to um, pry out of the state of Utah due to some family considerations than most coaches might be. Because you're right, he is going to have no shortage. If he if he makes Keaton Slovis an NFL quarterback, you're going to have multiple Power 5 programs. They're going to be knocking on the door saying, how much money do you want? What, what can we do for you. I know the BYU will absolutely do everything within their power to keep him in Provo. Him and Kalani are really really tight. He's really enjoyed his time at BYU, etc. And like I said, he's got some family situations that may uh, keep him closer to home here in Utah, if at all possible, but you can guarantee that there are going to be overtures made to him. He is a rising star in the coaching profession. It wouldn't surprise me to see him get a head coaching opportunity at some point if, if this run continues for him. He is a great, great coach. He's a great man. He absolutely deserves all that attention, and we'll see what happens. I, I think that there will be offers coming his way. We'll see how serious he is about any of them uh, down the road, Dallin. On to the next one. Casey Finlinson, with the transfer portal being such a valuable uh, component to college sports now, and basketball and football in particular, do you see kids getting straight out of high school having less importance, especially for a school like BYU, where you usually don't see these high school kids for at least two years after they graduate? It's a great question, Casey. I appreciate your patronage. Uh, You listen, I know all of you, by the way. Big thanks to Nick Chadwick, Dallin. I know you guys are all regular listeners of the podcast. But Casey's point is well taken because the transfer portal is essentially an immediate uh, opportunity to upgrade talent and bring in impact players who are able to play right now. Obviously, high school guys, guys that are going to go on missions are going to be gone for two years, but BYU still has to build that depth as much as possible. There may be programs out there who lean more heavily into the transfer portal to really uh, do stopgap stuff, to really bolster their lineups and maybe make that maybe the bigger uh part of their recruiting philosophy, but any program really worth its spit, in my opinion, will continue to look at the high school ranks and build with quality, high-level talent from high school. Those are the backbone. Those are the the bedrock of your football program. You can guarantee that Nick Saban ain't going to get away from that. You can guarantee that Kirby Smart at Georgia ain't going to get away from that philosophy. And BYU, I think even more so, needs to rely on that. BYU is a unique place. We all know that. Any of you watching this podcast know you how or what listening to it excuse me i should say any of you who have paid attention any lick of attention to BYU know it is a new unique institution that has to attract specific types of athletes who are willing to live by the honor code deal with the academic requirements all the different things that go into being a BYU athlete and it's going to re- require yes guys via the transfer portal to be brought into bolster positions but at the same time i think BYU's bread and butter should continue to be high school talent that completely understands what BYU is all about, buys into it, and comes in and embraces everything that BYU is about. 
Hopefully that answers your question, Casey. All right, next one. Sam, uh, Jake, do you know how many scholarships BYU has to work with as of today? It feels like we've addressed a lot of needs speaking of BYU. Should we expect more? Uh, in a word, I've been told that BYU has a, quote, handful of scholarships still to work with. Does that mean three, four, five? I don't know. I, don't, I was not given a specific number, but that came from somebody inside the program. They still have the opportunity to maneuver if they can find guys they feel like are important pieces. Now, four or five of you yesterday also sent in this question. I'll add this to this conversation. Jake, what is going on with the kicking situation? Frankly, I don't know, and I'm as flabbergasted as all of you. Is BYU going to find some diamond-in-the-rough kicker that they haven't revealed to the world? They're going to show up in training camp and blow the doors off everybody? Maybe so. But right now, as it stands, I have heard exactly zilch on BYU chasing a transfer portal kickers or kickers of any variety right now. Does that mean that Matthias Dunn, the walk-on from Wasatch High School who broke out in spring and breakout's a relative term because he's had his own struggles, uh, could he be the guy? He very well could be. But uh, I, like I said, I've heard very little on this. But BYU does have the scholarships, uh, plural, to go out and make moves if they feel like they have a guy that, or guys that they feel like can come in and make an imprint on the BYU football program. Uh, I, do, I would expect some more changes. I expect a couple more bodies here and there. I think BYU will continue to scour any and all options out there in the transfer portal. At this point, I wouldn't expect them to be the quote-unquote game-changing type that are going to come in and start right away. But they maybe those guys who come in, they're like, you know what, that's a depth piece. That's a guy who can come in and help us build from the ground up in the Big 12. Those are more, I think, the options you're going to see added to BYU's roster uh, down the stretch run of the summer, uh, late spring, early summer, and obviously on in to training camp. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, we got. Let's see. I'm trying to. I, I lost my place here on the questions. I apologize. I didn't mean to do that. But all right, a couple other ones uh, coming in here. If I have them right. Uh, okay. Uh, here we go. David, what are the benefits of having Colorado come uh, to the Big 12? In my opinion, they don't bring much to the conference. They've been bad in football, not great in basketball for quite some time as well. Should the Big 12 have any interest in Colorado? Now, Ethan also sent in an email asking about UConn. Are they really that favorite of an expansion candidate for BYU? Uh, I'm about for BYU for the Big 12. That's a great question on both y'all's part. I, I, Colorado, to me, is just essentially there's a nostalgia factor there. They bring them out in time zone alongside BYU, giving BYU another travel partner that's closer to them uh, geographically. That's what Colorado brings to the mix. You're right. Football's not been great, but uh, you've been making a big bet on Deion Sanders getting things turned around, even if he's not there for the long term. Just getting De- uh, getting Colorado to be more competitive in football. Basketball for Colorado has been up and down in recent years. Tad Boyle has had NCAA tournament teams. He's had also just teams that are not very good. Uh, I just think it'd be more of a nostalgia factor. Colorado was a founding member of what was originally the Big 7 Conference back in the uh, 1940s. Carried on for six plus decades in that conference, going through the Big Big 8 era, the Big 12 era. So it'd just be a coming home factor for Colorado and obviously reuniting with some of their old uh, conference mates in the Big 12. But I think it's more of just a it's a speculative play. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, with Dion thinking that you're, okay, you're going to get some glitz and glam with him and hopefully you can get make Colorado Buffalo football uh, sexy and have some appeal. And then uh, for to the UConn question from Ethan, UConn won a national title in basketball. Brett Yormark is a basketball guy. He wants Big 12 basketball to be unabashedly the best basketball league in the country. Best way to do that is to take that one of the heavy hitters away from the Big East and bring them in. Is UConn football offer anything? Absolutely not. I, Jim Moore got them to a the bowl game last year. Okay, great. But UConn Husky football does nothing for you either. But I don't know. I think it's just their moves that uh, Brett Yormark seems to be thinking about in terms of just bolstering different parts of the conference. And as he 
said he wants to have a presence coast to coast. Now, Colorado doesn't offer the West Coast, but it gets you, like I said, a second team in the Mountain Time Zone. UConn uh, kind of locks in the Northeast in a way for you if you're the Big 12. Like I said, that coast to coast comment uh, fits in with that narrative. But either one of them, like I said, they're not really going to be like, oh, those those are the those are the heavy hitters. Those are what you want. That's not what they are. They're, they're coming in to essentially just give you more uh, options on the table in terms of media rights, deals, uh, footholds in different parts of the country. So... It's just one of those kind of those weird, weird things. All right. Uh, we'll finish up today's show uh, with a couple of comments on what's going on. Pete Thamel reporting that the Big 12 potentially wants to play a bowl game south of the border. We'll talk about that. We'll also uh, talk a little bit about what's happening in BYU track and field, how things are going in the national championships for BYU athletes out there, and also a quick look at another loss in 2017 for BYU is making the trip to Starkville, Mississippi to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. All that more coming up next right here on Locked on Cougars. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, my friends. If you guys are interested in advertising with the podcast, love to have you guys on board. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. Get your information that way. Also, uh, please uh, consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing, and doing all the things that help us build this show. Essentially, all it requires you guys to do if you're watching this on YouTube is like the show. I'm pointing down to that little area where you can uh, subscribe to the show or like it. Also, hit the bell notification icon uh, so that way it notifies you when, it, when a podcast goes live. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave us a, a five-star rating as well as a review of what, what you like about the show. I've actually seen a couple of you send those in the last couple of days, so thank you to all of you for doing that. I actually probably should have pulled up a couple of them and highlight them. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow on the podcast. Start highlighting you, the guys and gals out there who are helping us build this audience by doing just that. All right, final notes on today's show. Uh, Pete Thamel reporting yesterday that the Big 12 is exploring starting a bowl game in Monterey, Mexico as a linchpin of the league's push into the country. Uh, that would game would be in the postseason of 2026 and has been targeted to be played at BBVA Estadio down there in uh, Monterrey, Mexico. It's a 53,000 seat stadium. It hosts a lot of soccer matches, etc., but it has had football there. There's a college program at one of the universities in Monterrey. It might be the University of Monterrey for all I know. I don't remember exactly the name that has played football there. Uh, RSL, speaking of Real Salt Lake here along the Wasatch Front, actually played a match down there once upon a time that still had the football gridiron lines painted on it when they were playing on it. So I think it'd be really fun to have that. They've also said that uh, both Kansas and Houston, two of the heavy hitters in uh, basketball for the Big 12 Conference, have agreed to play each other in a regular season game in Mexico City in December of 2024. So uh, a, a year from this winter, you can see those two heavy hitters playing down there in Mexico City. I think that is something that BYU should absolutely be calling up Brett Yormark saying, hey, we'll play down there. We've had actually a couple of you reach out via YouTube saying that you do live in Mexico and uh, live, actually live in Monterey. I think one of you did, if I recall. I think BYU would get a huge, huge uh, representation of, of BYU fans, or at least uh, people who are members of the LDS faith there in Mexico. Like I've said before, outside of the United States of America, the country that has the most members on record uh, in the world outside of the United States of America in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is Mexico. More than a million members down there south of the border. So you can guarantee BYU be well represented or have, at least have a good size representation of uh, fans down there. I'm sure many of you that 
may have served missions in Mexico. Would love nothing more than to go back to your old mission stomping grounds while also watching BYU. I think this is a really, really a smart play for the Big 12 and having a bowl game down there would be really cool to see. It'd actually be the second bowl game uh, currently in existence after the Bahamas Bowl. There's been other bowl games. The International Bowl in Toronto uh, for years existed until like 2010. There's a famous uh, story about the Bacardi Bowl in Havana, Cuba way, way back in the day, but I think it's be a fun play uh, for the Big 12 if they can pull it off. Obviously, you'd have, to have another conference that's willing to sign on to be your uh, essentially your conference uh, uh, opposition in terms of playing in that game, but I think BYU should absolutely uh, pursue that option if, if it is something that the Big 12 is willing to let them do both in football and basketball. All right, uh, on to track and field updates. Uh, we have some All-Americans from the National Championships. Uh, congratulations to Cameron Bates, finishing in eighth place in that javelin with a 74.71-meter uh, throw. He finishes in eighth place. He gets a first-team All-American citation. Caleb Witzkin in the pole vault uh, jumped 5.60 meters, finished in sixth place. Obviously, he's a first-team All-American in his own right, so congratulations to both of them. On that, uh, Casey Klinger getting his uh, first career outdoor first-team All-American honor and fourth outdoor All-American honor uh, uh, overall as he uh, finished third in the 10,000 meters. Uh, Brandon Garnica got second-team All-American status after finishing 16th in that. So congratulations to both of them on those results last night. We'll update you more on how more of those go tomorrow. Uh, I'm just seeing this actually come across. The 4x400 relay semifinals actually surpassed uh, this same squad's all-time BYU record set earlier this uh, season. Uh, so congratulations uh, to them on that record. Uh, unfortunately, it was not good enough to advance in the tournament, but still uh, a, a program record all the same. So congratulations to the track and field athletes participating in Austin, Texas in the championships. All right, final note on today's show is BYU's uh, long, lengthy losing streak in 2017 continues as you look back at all 155 games in BYU football history. Uh, today we talk about BYU making a trip to Stark Stark Vegas, as I am fond of calling it, to face off against Mississippi State. Nick Fitzgerald was the quarterback for the Bulldogs. Ended up torching BYU for 241 yards, two touchdowns. They did have two interceptions in this one. Uh, BYU just was not able to really get off the deck. Tanner Mangum finished up with 145 yards and one touchdown. Uh, crazy enough, uh, Bracken Elbakri, no, excuse me, it was a Braden Elbakri, excuse me, uh, was BYU's leading rusher in this game with just 20 yards. Yeah, Braden Elbakri, 20 yards. Ula Tolotau, 15. BYU's a team. Just 29 yards total down there in the loss. They end up losing 35-10. to 10. Uh, Mississippi State uh, scored in every quarter, having uh, 7 in 3 quarters and 14 in the second. So tough, tough loss for BYU. And this loss pushed them to the brink. They were 1-6. Things were not going well, obviously, for BYU. But they obviously, if they wanted to win, a, if they wanted to make a bowl game and keep their bowl streak alive, they needed to get things going. But uh, we would find out the following week, once again, that BYU was going to essentially uh, punch their ticket to a bowlless season. And we'll talk about a disappointing loss against Eastern Carolina tomorrow. And by the way, the Eastern Carolina one, I've got, I got some thoughts on because I, I was working on most of these games I actually worked on all of them in different capacities for the KSL Sports Zone, where I still work today. Uh, but that, that East Carolina game, I've got a really interesting story about that game in particular, and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. All right, there you go. So there you guys are. You guys are up to speed on everything that we have for you guys here on this Thursday. Hope you all are doing well. A big thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast, as always. Cannot thank you guys enough for continuing to download, rate, review, watch the show, listen to the show. Just all of your guys' support means the world to us. 
Uh, I put this out on social media earlier this week, actually yesterday, if I no, it was on Tuesday. Uh, BYU fans, you guys have made us top 10 in both the YouTube uh, views, I guess, is what we track on our Locked On College channel, as well as overall podcast listens. For We've actually been top 10 in podcast listens since they started doing those rankings. It's been a few years since they started doing that. But in terms of the YouTube views, we had never been inside the top 10, and the nice part is we are finally inside that and well inside. I think we're number six, if I recall correctly, or number seven. So that's a credit to all of you. So thank you. Uh, truthfully, thank you to all of you. You guys make this go. I can sit here and blather on for days, months, weeks, years like I have, but you guys are the ones that come back time and time again, and I cannot thank you guys enough once again for the support of the podcast. So once again, thank you for making us your first listen to the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on Locked On Cougars, and we will talk to you guys again tomorrow. This has once again been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.